he's the only one with the ability to make something out of nothing. And you know the joke of, that everybody says, you know, about uh, God telling a man, you know, to, to create something, and he gets down to, and he'll use the dirt to make a pot or something. He says, look, God, what I created. And God's saying, yeah, but you need to make your own dirt. So even the things that we use to make creations ourselves is uh, uh, we're using God's things that he created. So in, in Genesis chapter 1, it said, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So all of this that we know to be tangible is creation from God. And if he created it, he's the owner of it. Amen? If God created all this, he owns all of this. And it's kind of like a, you can't have a painting without a painter. So uh, we've got a little painting at the house that Amy painted for me and Leslie a few years ago. It don't have our faces. It's just got our outlines and got Jake and Zoe standing there with us. And it's just like a nice little family portrait. But that painting would have never existed if Amy wouldn't have painted it. It would have just been a plain sheet of paper. So a painting exists because a painter painted it. Or if we, if we think, or actually uh, drawing, I guess, if she would have never drawn, it would have been the same thing. It's not really paint, but it's pencil, but it's the same thing. So the creation only exists because God created it. And if he creates it, he owns it. So in American way of life, if somebody invents something, an inventor, they invent something new or come up with this new uh, thing. I think it's a, a seven-year patent right on it that uh, for seven years, the, the proprietor, proprietary whoever made it or made the investment initially they can make it for seven years and then after that another company can take that that pattern or the patent and make it but they have to pay royalties back to the person that designed it or invented it so it's kind of like that with God if if he created all this and this is all his creation we're just using it right so we owe royalties to God he's the one that owns it all and uh, if, in talking about this or thinking about this, you know, in America, we, we often say, well, I own this or I own that. You know, I own, I own that uh, uh, Tahoe out in the parking lot. That's mine. I bought it. I, I paid payments for several years. You know, Leslie had to have it, and we run up there and bought it one night and late in the evening and, and picked it up and got it home, and we had a title, and, and we went and had to borrow money because that's what you have to do is borrow money to buy a car, right? We borrowed it and, and paid off the payments, and finally tax season one year, I think we paid it off. So it's literally our Tahoe. That's good, right? I like owning stuff. I like feeling like I own stuff because it feels like I've accomplished something. So uh, property, you know, we, we bought our house. We went and borrowed money to buy our house and, and took out a loan, and, and we're paying it and paying it and paying on it, and we're, we're getting where we're knocking it down, that it's, it's thousands of dollars we've knocked off of our, our property so far. We don't own it outright yet, but hopefully someday, amen, that I own it without any payments. Uh, even after you pay something off, though, in America, the land of the free, the home of the brave, the place where that we all say we own stuff, uh, even though you've paid it off, there's still something you have to pay every year. And annually, you still have to go down to the courthouse, and you have to pay taxes on that, on that property. And if you don't pay taxes on that property, what happens? They take it. They take it and they, they'll take it and they'll take that deed because we got a deed and we're like, wow, I own this. I, I've got 65 acres on Dry Hall Road and, and this is my property. And But if I don't pay taxes, literally the PVA will come and take the deed and they'll make a new deed 
and they'll, they'll take it to the courthouse steps and they stand there and they, they'll auction off the property I paid for. They'll auction it off on the courthouse steps with or without my consent. And whoever they auction it to, they'll put a new deed in that person's name. They didn't pay me anything. So did I ever own the property? Not really. I just owned the piece of paper that was a deed that said it was mine, that kept somebody else from getting on it. But really, the property must belong to somebody else. In the American government, they can say, well, this property's ours. Really? Was that land there before you had come into existence in 1776 and you declared independence from the King of England, King George? Was, it, was there property there? Yes, there was property there. Dry Holler's been there for a long, long time. So King George owned it at one point because he come over here and colonies got started and, and actually Kentucky was Virginia then, so that would have been Dry Holler, Virginia. And it was King George's property because he thought he owned a deed to it. And prior to that, it was probably the Shawnee Indians that was traveling across the river in their canoes, and, and they, they thought they had that territory, and they set up and had war pass, and they had a zone that was theirs, and they was like, no, this is our property. And going on back, I don't know if you go all the way to the caveman. I don't know. If you just keep on going, it'll keep going. And everybody's always said, well, I own that. In reality, the one that owns it was the one that made it. That means it's God's. I might have a deed to a piece of property of 65 acres but that 65 acres belongs to God so what stewardship is is the management or those that take care of somebody else's stuff look at your neighbor and say none of that's yours none of it's yours <laughs> you just think it is you got cars, you got a home, you got this you got that uh, yeah that's not yours uh, the government come and take it whenever they want to discover what the Bible says about stewardship, we start with the very first verse. That's Genesis 1, what we read. As the Creator, God has absolute rights to ownership over all things. To miss starting here is like misaligning the top button of our shirt or our blouse. So look at this. Here's my fancy shirt I put on today. I put these shirts on. and I, wear, I usually wear button-up shirts about, about all the time. It's something, I don't know, just business-like, I think. I don't know. In my mind, I think it's just more business like to wear a button up shirt I could wear it like this and look all cool right Maddie yeah this is cool ain't it just uh, this is awesome it kind of looks looks kind of hip you know she probably don't even know what hip means does she it's, they don't even know what that Linda, Linda's thinking yeah I know what hip is so uh, these shirts I put them on every morning Greg and 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 some mornings if I'm tired you know if I'm wore out and and I, I maybe my mind's not functioning the way it's supposed to and I, I'll get up in the morning and I'll, I'll go in there and get started and I'll I'll grab my shirt and I'll, I'll be like, yeah, there's, there's a place right here. And I'll, I'll start buttoning it up, you know, because just getting it buttoned and, and I'll start working on it and, uh, and I'll start buttoning. And it's usually I'm just kind of tired, just, you know, repetitive. You just do this every day. And then you get down here, it's like, I got an extra hole and no button. What's the deal? So then I have to redo it, you know, and then you have to start all over. It's like, man, that's, that just don't feel right. You can tell, too, when you're sitting there, it's like, man, this collar, it's kind of hanging up here. Not just right, so so you might restart. This this is going to be like a picture of how uh, we do our lives. First things has to be first, right? Is what we're trying to say. So then I might take this other button. I might put it up here. And say okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna start buttoning them like this now. And, and that just that just don't feel right either. And if I went to work like this, somebody would make fun of me. You know what I mean? If I 
walked in the morning and be like, hi, how are you? It was a good night, wasn't it? And they were going to be like, what are you doing, you clown? So, so I try this. And if, if they don't work right, you know, here's how we do it in our life because we don't really ever go back to who's first and, and give God what's his anyway. And we, we end up putting the buttons on and then we end up like this. And it's like, no, that just don't feel right. You know, it's kind of sideways and, and soft culture. I mean, it, I might start a new fad. You never know anything. I mean, they walk around with their pants hanging down now and their underwear hanging out. It's just something awful. So, so then I could go all the way like this and, and get end up to here. Maddie, you ought to try this. That might be hip at school tomorrow. You walk in like this and they'll be like, why are you doing that? Because it's cool. That's why, because it's cool. Too cool for school. So, anytime something's out of alignment, it just don't feel right. So if you start with the top button and the top button, it kind of feels right. feels better. feels like it's the way it's supposed to be. So in stewardship, we have to make sure that first things are first. What do I mean? We have to recognize that God owns it all anyway. He started with nothing and made something. We have never started with nothing and made something. You might have invented things. You might have engineered some new things and made modern marvels and all the TV shows that we look at and we're just in awe of kind of what we as humanity have been able to accomplish. And there's some great strides. Steam engine, it brought on the uh, Industrial Revolution that set America on a course of prosperity it's on today because somebody tried to harness converting water to steam and to get that power. And they used to have water wheels on every piece of water up and down. You go to all these old places like Dollywood and everywhere, they'd have a water wheel. That's what they would use to, to uh, turn a shaft that would go in and turn a belt to turn something else to make all these manufacturing places. But once they harnessed, steam turning to water or water turning to steam 1700 times expansion and contained it they they invented or held a power that they'd never known and look what it's done to civilization there would be no industry the way we know it today if the guy wouldn't have and I think it's in the 1830s when he first tried to contain that kind of out of accident even Sometimes we'll invent things, but he didn't invent it from nothing because he had to have the water. Water had to come from somewhere. He didn't invent the fire. He didn't make the fire. The fire was burning something that he had to get. Everything is God's. It's all his. And as creator, God has absolute right and ownership over everything. Nothing lines up unless we put God first. Nothing else in the Bible, including the, doctored, the doctrine of stewardship, will make any sense or have any true relevance if we miss the fact that God the Creator has full rights of ownership. It is through our ability to fully grasp this and embed it in our hearts that the doctrine of stewardship is understood. The only way we're going to be able to do any of these pieces of this puzzle of stewardship that we're going to cover is we have to understand God owns it all. What about your finances? That's God's. Are they in your possession at this time? Yes. 
And if somebody owns something and leaves it to you, and it's in your possession, you're the steward of it. There's another term that, that it speaks about in the Greek is, is a word that we would say in our culture today would be a guardian. So if, if a kid, uh, like Debo this morning, I was talking about being a guardian, he's like, well, my mom's my guardian. I was like, yes, she is until you die, Debo. You're always gonna, your mom is always going to be your guardian. Somebody takes care of you. So a, a guardian is somebody that they put into your possession. It's maybe, maybe even there's, there's people that through foster care will, will receive a kid, and when they receive that kid, they're under their care. Not their possession. They're just the guardian of them during that season, during that time. So this ideal that we are a steward or a guardian of what God has, has, has given to, our, to us to possess or to take care of, think about your whole life being that way. That the money or the resources he gives you, he only allows you to have that to steward because it's his anyway. What about your home? What if you took care of your home like you was doing it for God? And scriptures teach this, do everything as unto the Lord. Everything. Everything you do. All your work, make it be as unto the Lord. Because if we would do everything the way God would want it done, how many believes he takes pretty good care of his business? Amen? He takes good care of his creation. And there's parts of this that just, it's, it's uh, astounding to me that in the cultures that we live in, that uh, uh, one of the topics of today is, is the topic of global warming. Anybody ever, know, ever listen to anything about global warming and, and dig into it and research it and stuff? So how many, how many believes in global warming? Oh, one half, okay. Amy's a half. She raised her hand like this as long as it didn't go over the seat nobody else could see. So, okay, she's, she's partially and Dusty kind of waved her a little bit too. He's about like you. So uh, Amy and Dusty, you might count as one. So uh, global warming, right? And uh, do we believe in it? Do we, do we think about it or... Her mom this morning said she, she kind of believes in about like that because the news she watches tells her that there is no global warming. So she said, no, there is no global warming. So we've got to be careful that we don't just listen to what somebody else says. We need to research it for ourselves, right? So do I believe in global warming? Yes, possibly. To the extent, I don't know. I'm not a true scientist. I'm not Einstein or anything, but I've watched uh, both sides of an argument. I don't just pay attention to one. I'll, I'll look at both sides and then come up with a conclusion. I want to be in about center usually is the way I usually pan it out to be. So uh, let me ask you this. It, if uh, go up to mom and dad's house and dad cuts all this firewood in little strips about probably uh, 12 to 14 inches long, he'll bust them up into little bit pieces and he takes it in the house. And when he gets it in the house, he'll take a match and, and strike it and then he'll light it, uh, little pieces of kindling down in there and get it burning, and then he puts the wood down in there, right? What happens when that, he puts the wood down in there? It, it begins to burn. What happens? It begins to heat up. What happens to the inside of the house? It gets warmer, right? But even Dad, he's kind of prehistoric in his, uh, uh, his ways, but even old-timers, even back, if you go back and look at Abraham Lincoln's log house, they would have a flue, a chimney, to get the smoke out of their house, right? Because they know, I can't burn stuff and sit around in that smoke. It's not going to be healthy. If you lived your whole life burning wood inside of your house and nowhere for it to vent out, what would happen? It would pollute the air, right? Global warming absolutely is happening. There's, 
at, at what degree that's that's to be dealt with or that's to be uh, researched and looked at more but uh, actually in Miami Florida today if you go down to Miami there's some streets down there by the oceanfront that are are underwater today that wasn't 10 years ago it's a fact today that there's streets that are underwater and some of the streets next to it the city spent uh, it was close to a billion dollars I think raising the streets up in that city in Miami they raised them up four feet in height and some of the studies they had scientists begin to study this and say well how long can we last how long can Miami last if we spend this billion dollars how much money how, how, how long is it going to get us and most of the researchers come back and concluded that it's about 50 years so by 2060 Miami Florida will be underwater if we do nothing if we change nothing and that type of stuff should scare us to death where we know and read in this as a Christian that God says I'm the one that created it and now I'm leaving it to you to steward or to take care of because there's another generation coming it scares me to, to worry about what little, little Alex you know what, what what's her world going to be like we can see how much division and controversy and all this stuff that's going on in our world today what's it going to be like in Alex's world what happens when she turns 80 what kind of America is going to exist Will Miami, Florida even be a place that you could go see? Stewardship's a big thing. And sure, we can live a luxurious life, and we're all to blame. I'm to blame. I like having electric. When I come into church, I want to be able to turn them buttons back there and, and kick them on. The fan's going to turn. The lights are going to come on. I like come up here hitting these switches. The lights come on and hit the button over there, and the power system comes on. And, and I like having this luxury. I'm glad we can turn the heat pumps on and the heat kicks on and the electric burns the gas and next thing you know it's getting warmer in here. I like that. that. That's a luxury. But what's it doing to the atmosphere? Somewhere there's a coal-fired power plant a few miles down the river that's burning coal, putting pollutants in the air. It's changing the atmosphere. It's our fault. Carbon emissions is reality. And what if we stand before God someday and we don't even think about this because we never even based our Christianity on am I supposed to take care of the environment? I think the Christian should be the best environmentalist of all. I think we should be the ones that are picking up the trash along the roads. I think we are the ones that should be outspoken and, and say that this is God's creation and man needs to take care of it because we're just stewards for a little while and a hundred years goes by pretty quick. I've lived 40 and it seems like I've blinked my eyes twice and I'm 40 years old time goes fast what are we going to leave for the next generation of people God gives us stewardship so that we understand what do I do and how do I take care of this what do you want me to do God I believe God's interested in that he created it and we're the ones messing it up we ain't going to stand before him someday and say God I had to have that to, you know I had to have that I liked electricity we had a missionary come a few years ago, and one of our missionaries, he's over in foreign soil in a country that he's not allowed to be in, and, and he got in there just by a relationship that God designed and uh, had, had, had uh, skills that nobody would have ever really seen to send somebody on that mission field. As, as he went there, he ended up going down into uh, the other little neighboring country, and as he got down there, there was these mud huts. And there was another missionary that had come in 
and, and they learned how to run electricity. And these little pe people in communities had never seen or never even, even they didn't even know what electricity was. And he, he got this electricity power, you know, got a grid coming in and got a wire run across in the community. And each little house had that one little light bulb hanging out in the middle of a mud hut. And those people thought they had arrived. And they felt like that they was at the top of the ladder because they had one little light bulb that would stay on in the middle of the night and they could stay up. How blessed are we in America? Amen? But the more blessed you are, the more you think you ought to receive is the way it normally works. If you don't believe me, wait until the electric goes off. Amen? When the electric goes off, I remember during the big ice storm a few years ago, it was off nine days and it felt like the end of the world. I went out and stayed with Frances a few days just to go down there because she had electric and we didn't up the holler. I had a four-wheel drive. I got to Frances' house. At least we had electric. Couldn't wait to get there. Nine days, though. That's a long time. But now, if it's off an hour, because we got Facebook now, this the ice storm was prior to Facebook. So now with Facebook, if you if the electric goes off and Vanceburg Electric's off for two hours, it comes back on. The first thing everybody does is get on Facebook and be like, I can't believe it's stupid Vanceburg Electric. All they do ever just run out of electric and we don't have none and it's just awful. Amen? Rather than saying, I'm so grateful and thankful that we have electricity and just a few hours off caused me to have a reality check that I'm pretty blessed. It's just how we are. It's human nature. So somehow we've got to get that in check. And this permission thing is about getting us to see that God gives us access, especially in America, to a lot. And we are some of the most blessed people on the planet, without a doubt. But how thankful are we? I want to end this today with this as we ponder about permission. And there's this quote that you hear all the time people say. It says that it's easier to ask for forgiveness than permission. How many ever heard that? It's easier to ask for forgiveness than it is for permission. So if we put this into our life and how we act and how we conduct ourselves, do we ask God for forgiveness more or permission more? I'd say we're all guilty of asking for forgiveness a lot more than we ask for permission. So this series today, I want us to understand that God is trying to check us to at least cause us to have a pause just for a minute to say, God, rather than me doing what I want to do all the time and me controlling my own little world that I'm living in and doing what I want to do and have to ask for forgiveness all the time, what if we change our mindset to go into a mindset to where we said, God, can I do this? What's your will? How do you want me to act in this what if everything we did, every post we made, every, every uh, conversation we had, every, every trip we took to town, what if everything we done in our life was where we asked God for permission rather than going ahead and doing what we want to do and then coming to him and say, God, forgive me? Because I don't know about you. One thing I know for sure is that I mess up a lot more things than I fix. Amen? I mess up a lot more than I fix. 
And I feel like God is trying to tell us today, just slow down. Take a step back and ask me. Because I know the best for your life. And I believe he really does. I don't think God desires to tear you down. I don't think he desires to cause you to be in want. I don't think he desires to cause you harm. I think he has his best intentions for us. And if we would ask and learn to ask, we would live a lot better life. Amen? That's if you come and play. Let's stand. I'd just like for everybody to bow your head and close your eyes, if you will. I just want to ask you this very simple question. As this word's being shared today, I want to ask you if if the Holy Spirit's been dealing with you through this message today, you feel like you've felt God speaking to you. That you want to be a better steward over what he's blessed you with. Is there anybody here who just lift their hand and say, I feel like God's telling me I need to be a better steward. Anybody here? Amen. Thank you for raising your hands. Father, I thank you for all those that are here. Lord, I thank you for the blessings on our lives. Lord, I thank you for relationships. I I thank you for talents that's in this room. Lord, I thank you for the treasures that you've laid up in in the people's lives that are present here today. Lord, I thank you for all the things that you've allowed them to have. Lord, I thank you for the time that you've given us here on this earth. Lord, I thank you for the futures that they all have. God, I just ask right now today, Lord, that you would just cause us during this moment to receive your word, God, to know that we need to ask for permission for things in our lives, God. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would awaken our hearts in ways that you never have before. Lord, that whatever we walk out, whatever we're talking, whatever we're saying, Lord, all of our actions, let them revolve around your will and your plan. Just as your son Jesus did here on this earth, that he would do nothing unless he heard from you, his Father in heaven. He wouldn't speak. Help us to be that way. In Jesus' name, amen.